It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the free edition, not necessarily the weekend edition, but we'll act like it is. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama, Painter Sharpless in Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. Feeling good about this one. Yeah, feeling good about this one. We, we've got a we've got a fun idea uh, for this one. Appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. A day later than usual, um, but uh, we took uh, we took a, a day off, or we pushed it back a day because we usually record these on Sundays uh, for for Monday. Uh, but Sunday was Mother's Day. Uh, I was with my family. Painter, you were with yours. I think I think your your uh, your mom ventured to parts unknown, didn't she? They did. No one loves mothers as much on uh, in the world as this program. We are pro-mother on this podcast. Mm-hmm. A controversial Absolutely. take, obviously. We stand uh, by it. Yeah. And, you know, I actually do love Mrs. Ferguson, an absolute sweetheart. Really the rock of Auburn High School athletics, if you ask me. I will say, though, great to see my parents. We played putt-putt, Ferg, and that was not even my suggestion. One of those things where... If you're convinced there's some strings being pulled in the universe, that was one yeah. of them for me. I even text you because I hadn't played putt putt in years. You brought it up, then suddenly I'm out there, holes hole in one. You know, I couldn't stop hitting hole in ones. Attaboy. So yeah, I assume you beat you beat your parents. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, uh, I also shout out to uh, shout out to Karen, uh, a, a, a an absolute saint. Uh, she is way, a sweetheart, but man, she is an intense person. She is on her P's and Q's. Never really understood how it was she could be so meticulous and organized and how I yes. could turn out. Well, you get the point. I was about to say, if anyone has ever well, has ever come across or uh, had the opportunity to meet Painter's mom, you would be very confused on how <laughs> Painter, <laughs> Painter came I think it's because they were so supportive. You know, they were yes. like, just be a weirdo oh, they're, if that's they're, what it takes. Yeah. You know, just oh, be yeah. a weirdo. They're, they're, yeah, your parents are two of the sweetest people I've ever met. And, and yeah, uh, <laughs> and it shaped you on the path that you are on now. Blazing. Yes, absolutely. Just mountains of success everywhere we turn. This has but been yeah. my favorite podcast intro we've done because it's been all about me. Yes, 100%. Um, so, uh, we like I said, a day later than usual, but because of the holiday... Um, we have a, we have a fun one uh, in store for you here. It's it's the off season. Not a whole lot going on right now. We are going to have, by the way, we were supposed to have a, a special guest uh, late last week for our premium podcast. Unforeseen circumstances popped up uh, like a few hours before we were supposed to record. They ended up pushing it back. We will have that guest on for the Friday podcast uh, later this week. Um, so I'll just go ahead and plug it right now. AuburnObserver.com. If you like this podcast, you want more. Um, $6 a month or $60 a year. You can get that premium podcast with our special guest, all of our newsletters, all of our back catalog of our old podcasts. I mean, this is what episode number 176. You can listen to every single episode we've ever done. If you go back, uh, and, and, and get a subscription. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, also this week, um, we are all on Julian Phillips watch supposed to be Thursday, uh, making his, uh, announcement. It looks like Auburn or Tennessee will be the move there for for him. And according to those who uh, who cover recruiting and, and cover it really really well, seems like it could go either way. I think Auburn feels confident about where they sit, uh, but I think Tennessee folks feel confident about where they sit as well. So uh, we will keep an eye on that. Who feels yeah. the most confident? Let's get a pulse here. Is Rick Barnes confident? Because it's an interesting way of feeling confident. That guy, you know, it's just closing for him. It seems you think to be a Rick struggle. Rick Barnes has ever felt confident. He always looks like like an uh, 
on a constant a state nervous. of just not be. Yeah, he's yeah, sweating, yeah, he's constantly nervy is, is the best way to he put. He also Rick seems to me like someone that would, for a certain market of person, be a great watch salesman. Mm, yeah, I bet he yeah. has nice watches. Mm-hmm. He can he can sell you a fine timepiece. And he calls them timepieces as well. Oh, 100%. Uh, He's yeah. a big big TP kind of guy. But, yeah, there's not a whole lot of news going on right now. Uh, it's, it's you know, the heart of the offseason. It's really starting to feel like summer. I uh, want to say here, before we get we dive in, um, graduation at Auburn this past weekend. I know we have some listeners who graduated, those who were in school um, or just finished up school. Congrats to all of you. Um, you know, that's it's – Always That's a, a life moment. That's exciting. Yeah. You spent Huge. four or five, six years, whatever it is, do what you got to yeah. do. You know. Yeah. So, congrats to to all of you. But it, it, here in Auburn, painter, it's it's heating up. Oh temperature yeah, it's wise. up here, baby. It's starting to yeah. feel like I need to get in the pool. Oh ho! That's it's been parts unknown starting to thaw. I've been working parts. on this thing. <laughs> parts unknown starting to thaw a little bit. But, oh my god. Um. You know, traffic not as as uh, as. Uh, oh. That as little intermission you get between mm-hmm. the end of classes and the start yep. of summer, oh, only beaten by by Christmas, where even like the people, the international students, get enough of a break where in theory they can go home. I mean, that time of the year is great. I can get through town in like eleven minutes. Yeah, it's 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 a pretty magical time. So um, this is a this is a pure off season episode. This is a. This is an off-season episode, uh, but a fun one, a uh, concept. So here, here's here's part of what I did Mother's Day weekend when I wasn't spending time with my mother. Um, I, I watched a couple movies over the last few days um, that both tackled the concept of the multiverse. It's a, it's a hot it's a hot uh, topic these days in our in our uh, in our fictional media uh, enterprises. I uh, watched the new Doctor Strange movie, uh, and then I also watched. Um, Every uh, everything everywhere all at once. Um, Were you I taken to the movie to theaters see. for Doctors? Because that is not a movie that I envision you seeking out unless you went as a group, which would make sense given the context of this I, weekend. I was I was with others. Yes, um, probably not a movie like I, it's like a lot of Marvel movies nowadays. It's like um, I will go see it if it like like if the characters particularly interest me like i always see a spider-man movie and like the big like the avengers and the big the big 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 ones you know it, it's it's fun to go in that even though i'm yeah sometimes i get kind of burnt out on the whole genre but like there's a thor movie coming out in a few months and i'll go or a couple months and i'll go watch that one because i like the thor movies a lot um dr strange was probably not one that i was gonna like seek like i'll eventually have watched it you know at some point um, but, uh, no, I was, I was, I was with some, with some folks and it was good. It was, it was a really, uh, really lovely time. Um, give me I, your two I, cents I, on Benedict. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's, he, uh, I, I do think it's funny that his, his, his American accent as Dr. Strange is basically Hugh Laurie and house. That's exactly <laughs> who he sounds like. Um, this movie, uh, this movie, I mean, I'm no spoilers here, obviously, but um, the Doctor Strange movie a lot more violent than the usual Marvel movies. Um, and a little bit more kind of scarier, like more horror elements. Which is a, it's a Sam Raimi movie, which makes sense there. Um, you know, I, I thought it was fine. I, I, I there there were some elements to it that were very not Marvel, you know, cinematic universe movies that I enjoyed about it. 
Uh, so it's it's a fun time. It's a fun time. But then that everything everywhere all at once is another movie. If you don't know anything about that movie, um, it is an A twenty four movie that came out I think in maybe April or something like that, um, not too long ago. And it is you know kind of big, high concept. Uh, this this thing of um this this woman who um is in this like I'm not gonna spoil anything about it, but like this woman finds out that she can basically uh jump through universes and like the different versions of her and you know just how all that ties together is a big you know big uh story and and fight and all that that, that comes from it. Really really fun movie. Um, I, I enjoyed it. it. Might be my favorite movie of the year so far. But both of those, like I said, talk, tackle the concept of the multiverse, and that's something like with comic books is always has, has been a thing, right? Yeah, there's there's the you know Marvel, and I'm sure DC crossovers, has crossovers, well. if you will. Yeah, it, it, it's it's you know Marvel. There's different universes, like Spider-Man on this in this universe is different than Spider-Man in this other one, and then this other one, and then sometimes they can cross over and overlap and all that good stuff. So the multiverse has been on my brain. The, the, there's a lot about the, the everything everywhere all at once is like, what if, right. And I know there was a, like a Marvel TV show. Um, and there's comics that go off this. It talks about what if. And so it's, it's been on my mind a lot about just what would have happened, you know, if we were in a universe where something was a little different or a lot different in some cases, um, you know, and it's the whole theory that, you know, there are infinite universes and everything can be, you know, just a little bit different or a whole lot different depending on where you are and all that good stuff. It, it made me think of an idea for a podcast, uh, which we're going to do today, which is we're going to go through the multiverse of Auburn athletics and it's going to be recent Auburn athletics. Here, here's a couple of things I want to say at the start. Number one, um, We'll try to have fun with this. Like, don't take it too, too seriously. Um, whatever, whatever. We are literally trying to predict a chain of events that did not happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is, this is for pure entertainment purposes and we'll try and to like keep all it, things. Know, like, it's just my opinion. I'm just right. some guy like at least Ferg does <laughs> yeah. this. This was me at a game complaining about Brandon Cox when I was like 12. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know, man. This is going to be from mostly recent Auburn history. There's one really fun one I want to do that goes way back. Um, and we'll get to that one later, but this is mostly going to be from like the time since Painter and I have been involved as, as, as people who have followed, uh, Auburn athletics, whether it's fans or as, you know, in, in, in the last shoot, it's been what, uh, I mean, it is closer 10 to 10 or 15 point. years. Yeah. yeah but you're yeah, right. Like we're not going to be dipping into the Pat Dye era. Right. Yeah. Well, and there'll be some times we might shift out of that a little bit. Um, and then number two, I'd say that all that to say this, um, we hope that this podcast, um, creates some discussion, uh, amongst yourselves. That, and, uh, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Cause it's always and, fun when people are, are and with if it. you, yeah. And, and if you have uh, a, what if, uh, an alternate universe theory you want to throw out there for, for Auburn athletics, tell us, email us, tweet us, uh, put it in the comments on the, on, uh, on the website. Um, I mean, that's what this is. Yeah, it's just like these are just our thoughts, and I'm actually yeah. curious. I'm like, sometimes people give me opinions, and I'm like, that's cool, you know. But like, this is one where it's like none of us know how this could have gone. Yeah. So there are and some it, of you out there who probably have considered things that I'm like, oh yeah, that's not a chain of events that I would have foreseen, but kind of an interesting theory nonetheless. 
And if you have a scenario, you have an alternate universe, you have a theory, whatever that you want to throw out there, let us know. And if we get enough of them, it might be a thing during the off season where we talk about what we might do one per episode or one every couple of weeks, you know, moving forward where we just talk about it. Cause it's just, yeah, just a, a fun way to kind of spark some discussion, a little light on news right now. So what are we going to talk about? We want to, we want to talk about, uh, uh, some, some fun there. And, and I think painter, you recruited some help. Or not some help, but maybe a sounding board, <laughs> a consultant, a third party. A consultant. Yeah, you had a Let's consultant. give them the right title. Yes. yes, you had a consultant. You had a third party um, assist you <laughs> in the planning processes of this of this uh, podcast. And so, um, in the words of that sounding board, this could make you sad. This could be painful. I'm, I'm going to try to kind of try to keep it, you know, where it's not all just like, what if this bad thing didn't happen, right? Um, you know, try to keep, try to bounce around from that. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, we're, we're here to spark discussion. We want to, we want to hear what you guys have to think about all of these things or even some scenarios we didn't even yeah, come up it, with. Like we, we did some pre-gaming for this, but there's yeah. a very real chance we missed an interesting scenario. Oh. What we enter, I mean, there, there are whole decades we don't have included in here. Also and, that, and yeah, you're yeah. right. Basically anything pre 2000 is probably not going to be discussed in vivid detail here. I think the Again, farthest we're going back is probably 2003. Maybe. Yeah. And then there's one really funny one I want to do okay, from, okay. from way back, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, I haven't even told you about that one yet. Um, anyway, like I said, if, if you have an idea, you have one, throw it out there and who knows, this might be kind of come a, you know, a recurring segment where we take a few minutes to, to dive into, uh, to a listener uh, scenario. So, all right, we're going to get it started. Painter, I'm going to let you draw first. We'll do some football. We'll do some basketball as well. Where do we start? We're going to just throw one out there, and then we'll just talk through it and then bounce to the next one. We'll just jump through the universes like that. I don't, um, I don't know if this is where people would think I would start, but it is one that is very curious to me, and I actually think we land on the generally same place with this one. What if Kirby Smart, who was very very strategic about how long he stayed at Alabama and something you and I, I think have discussed, which is why more people don't realize how good it is to sit either down the bench from someone like John Calipari or stand on the sideline next to Nick Saban and wait for the right job. And Kirby smart did that. And I'm sure it's tough to work for the Nick Saban's and John Calipari's of the world for a lot of reasons. But I say all that to say this, it has obviously very recently, but in general, since 2016 worked out for Kirby smart. If he comes to Auburn, what in the wake of the 2012 fiasco, he actually, Mm -hmm. we find out pretty quickly inherits a very good team. However, he doesn't recruit Nick Marshall and the identity of that team is going to be more defensive because it's Kirby smart instead of obviously Gus Malzahn. So you probably don't have as good of a first season. My guess is, but also, yes. does Kirby Smart stick around? Because that That's... Georgia job comes open, and there's two things at play here. One of which is that the Georgia job is objectively a better job than Auburn. The second of which is that the person who ended up getting the job wanted it for a very long time because he had a personal connection to that place. Yeah, this is this is the this is such a good question because yes, Auburn goes with Gus Malzahn in 2013. And the other main finalist was Kirby Smart. Um, one of I mean, this is something that we 
that that is not new you know that we're not the only people who've ever thought of the what if um actually i was while we were getting ready for this podcast i came across over at uh college of mag our friends uh over there uh a couple years ago there was a big what if series at uh at sb nation and they did one about this and uh it was actually like almost two years ago like almost on the dot it happened in early may um and so this happens in 2020 and it's really interesting, right? Because here's here's what happens with Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart wins his he wins a national title in his sixth season at Georgia. Um, he goes on a tear with Georgia. You keep in mind they were, you know, that first season in 2016, Georgia goes eight and five, four and four in the league. Since then, they have gone to five. They've either been to the playoff or the New Year Six in five straight years. They won double digit games. And every year, but 2020, which of course you couldn't because it was the it was the COVID year and there weren't as many games to play. It's it's you know five straight top ten finishes. Three of those years have been top four finishes. He he got it rolling at, at Georgia pretty quickly, um, and he's the perfect fit for Georgia because he is a Georgia guy. He would make a lot of sense. You know, he just made a ton of sense at that at that spot. But here's the thing about Kirby coming to Auburn that would have been interesting to see. Um, say say he comes. Thirteen and fourteen, twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen, do not pan out the way it does with Kirby Smart in charge instead of uh, you know Gus Malzahn because. Up until last year, remember, Auburn—I mean, uh, Georgia—had not gotten one over. Uh, you know, Kirby Smart had not been able to beat Nick Saban. When you look at 2013 and you look at how close Auburn came in 2014 to beating Alabama, and the way they did it, it was offense. It was offense. You know that was not going to be the path for Auburn in uh, in 2013 and 2014 under Kirby Smart. Um, the emergence of Gus Malzahn's offense and why it clicked and was so good so early is this was pre-Alabama really un, uh, emptying the clip on offense. This and to Gus's pre- credit, doing cutting-edge stuff. Like, Gus yeah. gets a lot of flack because it got stale, and it seems like, to me, the casual observer, that he didn't always adjust. And when people start, you know, these coaches, for all the flack we give them about complaining and about their jobs supposedly being hard, it's like they are good. They figure things out. They make adjustments. And obviously that Gus thing there from what is basically Arkansas Tulsa days through the 2014 season was cutting edge. Right. And so you're in a spot where your offense isn't ready to take advantage of the fact that Alabama hasn't evolved to the point. You know, Nick Saban hadn't made his big adjustment on offense. And – you know, Kirby tries to build it up at, at Auburn. I think recruiting, he'd have gotten it. He, he could have gotten it done. I think Auburn's defense would have been ahead of schedule. You know, it takes the it takes the Kevin Steele hire to get that thing going. Um, I mean, it is interesting. You may have already mentioned this, but that first season at Georgia, his big scalp was winning a game against Auburn mm-hmm. at home. It didn't, yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah, and, and they did that largely through defense because I don't think their offense scored a touchdown. Right, and you look at, you know, 13 season does not happen. Auburn is just kind of an average team, I think, in 13. 
trying to w- play on defense. They, and you know, it, what would have Kirby done? What Kirby, what would Kirby have done? D four. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a really good defense, yeah, but they'd like, have, they'd have, they'd have been... it took them a while to get it. Like, 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 you know, like Nick Saban himself. It took him a while to get going on offense. It took Georgia a while to get to build up an offense. Yeah, that was always a thing. And, and up until this, the, the last last year, it was like, well, it's just, are they ever going to have an offense to kind of compete with it? Um, so it, they don't have success against Alabama early. I think the calling card, the thing that made Auburn so good in those early times, under Gus Malzahn, you don't have that. You don't have that success. You know, it, you play a tougher – you're in a tougher division. You mean early, the West has been stronger than the East pretty much for a while now, but like that – that's even tougher. The thing about Kirby building it at Georgia, what he was able to build at at Georgia, is that it's you don't have to play Alabama every year. Um, you you have this this immediate access to to titles and all that. And then I think the other thing you just pointed out is, is a good one. You know, say say he's successful enough. Say Kirby Smart's successful enough in 2013 and 2014 that when the Georgia job comes open, is it a decision? Is it is it a tough decision? Or yeah, so three years. Sorry, three years. Yeah, just it's he gotten to a point where, and I think you know, alma mater, easier job, better job in terms of your access to talent and 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 some of the natural advantages you get at Georgia. Yeah, I think it get away from Nick Saban, the guy you can't beat. Like yeah, yeah, that would that would make. And and I think I think you go one of two options at this point. In twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, whatever it is, you're either looking at Kirby Smart leaving for. Georgia with not as not the level of success Gus Malzahn would have had early in his career, or you're looking at a situation where Auburn doesn't get better as a program and it kind of is stuck in 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 a, in a tough spot, and you probably fire him or you know part ways with him at some point. In a I few have years. a hard time believing Auburn parts ways with him though. For I think that he probably leaves for the Georgia job for all the reasons you just mentioned. You think he hangs He's in there? So for three good years. at recruiting though. Like I yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if he'd stick around, um, but, like, he puts Auburn in play for the long term because, like, there is levels to being the 10th, 11th, 12th best team in recruiting and what Kirby Smart probably does, which is get you closer to that top five range. Now, obviously, that's contingent on a few things. One, just luck. Like, how do things break your way? And two, like, who do you get at quarterback? You know, and like to be fair to Kirby Smart, that that hasn't actually been a position he's been all that great with. And one thing we've seen with Auburn's success is to make up for the difference. Just about every time they've had a championship caliber team, there has been a quarterback who has led the way. And like that is an inter like Stetson Bennett, Jake Fromm. You know, it's like would that have been enough on an Auburn team historically? I don't know. I will say this: say. Say 2016 comes around and Kirby Smart either leaves for Georgia or he hasn't made it work yet. Who does Auburn hire in 2016? Because I have my answer. I don't know the coaching pool off the top of my head well enough, so let's go back to you. All right. So, at that point, ahead of the 2016 season, well, here's your issue. You will have not been successful, still has had a tough run against Alabama. You went with it their way. You tried to do some defensive stuff, and it didn't work, so you need to flip back towards offense. Who had just beaten Alabama in 
pretty impressive fashion with offense recently in that stretch and had come off of his best season as a coach and his best season uh, in this program's best season of the market. Yeah, it would have been Are we doing Hugh Freeze, but then getting everything that he does at Ole Miss, so you're dealing with that now? Well, here's here's the thing. He gets out at Ole Miss a year early. The hammer doesn't drop at that point. What's the big deal with the Hugh Freeze thing? Did he lie? Because that seems to be a thing that catches coaches. Because most of the time when they're winning, it's not the act. It's it's some caveat like, oh, you lied to your boss. Now we have grounds to fire you and not pay you a bunch of money. So the thing with, with Hugh Freeze, why he ultimately got fired at Ole Miss is, one, is impermissible benefits. You had the Laramie Tunsil and uh, a number of players. Those really good recruiting classes. And then Hugh Freeze. I mean, Which I Hugh actually Fre- respect. Shout out to him for Houston getting those Nutt, kids there. Houston Nutt sues Ole Miss for defamation saying, hey, That's tough. I'm, getting, I'm getting blamed. I'm getting blamed for stuff that happened under freezes watch yeah i'm getting unfairly drugged through the mud here during that you know lawsuit process the stuff comes out about the escort service and the phone calls there that pushes him out the door before the season starts in 2017 by all accounts the ncaa comes through two years later seems to be someone that i wouldn't view the world through the same lens with but nonetheless I will always appreciate. I say he resigned. I should say that he got he fair, resigned. He didn't sure. get fired. I just want to point out that of all the like the paying the players part, we are still cool with. <laughs> it's like Laramie Tunsil just being like, "Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I just got drafted. And by the way, those guys pay well." It's like, "Oh well, I appreciate the honesty." And so uh, I think I, I I think here my my theory is if Gus if, if if Auburn goes with Kirby Smart over Gus Malzahn, they're not as successful early on in their tenure. And I think that eventually leads to Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze at some point in the 2010s. So it feels to me like Hugh Freeze probably never is going to lock it down as an SEC champion, but maybe it's different at a different school. But boy, Kirby Smart recruiting with the Hugh Freeze offense, that actually would be fun for about two whole seasons. Yeah, and I think think the luster would would fall off pretty pretty quick there. So (laughs) – that's a pretty negative one. That's a dark one. I think Auburn, you know, say what you want about the Gus Malzahn era and the inconsistencies and the frustrations, especially towards the back end. The beginning was what it's like when you first do drugs. Like, it's where you go, like, <laughs> this is incredible. And then you yeah. realize, like, you got to find a balance. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, think, I, think it, I think it turned out pretty well. I think it turned pretty out pretty well for Auburn, all things considered, because I think it could have been – a lot more bleak, um, and, and you know maybe maybe Kirby finds the right offensive sure, you know fireworks to still ha- not just, a whole lot of evidence to believe yeah, he would. I mean no. even this year, you know it took this generational defense for them to get over the hump. All right, um, the next one, the next alternate universe we're proposing. Um, this is one that I think you and and your associate uh, talked about the most, um, and so I'm gonna let you bat lead off here. I want to throw it out Thank here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This goes back to, and this is something that I know other people have talked about in the past, but we're going to go back to it. Um, let's say, let me let me paint the picture for you. Um, it is, let's see, what, what was the date? I want to get it right. It is November 8th, 2014. Auburn is number three in the country, coming off of a 
wild uh, road win at Ole Miss uh, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Um, they are in a shootout with Texas A&M. Led by Remington Award winner and fan favorite Nick Marshall. And uh, there's a fumble late in the game uh, for Nick Marshall. And, um, yeah, Auburn was Auburn was in the, you know, in pure scoring position to take the lead. Twice, uh, right? Two fumbles. I mean, yeah. this one is obviously critical. Yeah. Nick Marshall fumbles. A&M recovers. Auburn gets the ball back. Uh, they just need a field goal to tie or a touchdown to win. Another bad snap, another fumble. Or, I say, a bad snap, another fumble. A&M wins 41-38 on the road. Painter, what happens if Auburn is able to pull off the win over Texas A&M? Stay number three in the country, uh, I believe, at that point. And uh, they would have been, shoot, they would have been uh, eight and one heading into Georgia the next week. What happens? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Auburn wins the Deep South's oldest rivalry in Athens for the first time since 2005. They obviously don't. In fact, the opposite happens. They drive the length of the field to open the game, score. Painter's thinking, we're back, baby. Nope. They immediately proceed to get the tar kicked out of them for the next three and a half quarters. And then, of course, Auburn plays a actually surprisingly good game against Alabama in the Iron Bowl, but still comes up short. I think Auburn, as I just said, wins the Deep South's oldest rivalry if they don't lose to A&M. And I they, think you it, think they turn around 27 points, a 27-point deficit if they win. If the I'm week a Georgia before. fan listening to this, I would immediately tweet at me, "You are such a loser." However, <laughs> however, that is where I'm at. I think that that loss, okay. especially as we talk about with what is essentially kids, right? Like these these are 18 yep. to 22 year olds, and it felt like Auburn season ended against a Texas A&M team in which you played this terrible first half. You come back. You're going to win in a miraculous way at home, and instead you don't. And it makes winning the SEC title more challenging. I think that really puts Auburn – I mean, that was a, a subpar Georgia team by Mark Rick standards. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Auburn certainly wins the Georgia game. Again, I hear you if you happen to have a Georgia connection. You're like, get a load of this guy. Uh, and then I think the Iron Bowl, you know, the, it's – Hard to say what happens there because it Auburn actually plays with a lot of spunk, if you will, and they, they play mm-hmm. a good game. They don't finish enough in the red zone. Obviously, they can't get a basically what amounts to a single stop on defense. But I think that season, potentially, you're looking at back-to-back appearances in the SEC title if the Texas A&M game goes differently. Yeah, it's my thing about the Georgia game is two things. Is that one, um, they got hammered. I mean, they got they got – Georgia had the perfect defense that day. And I know Auburn was feeling, I don't know what the injury situation was, but I know Auburn had a lot of turnovers in that game. It's Georgia's defense gave them nightmares. Somebody like not even Alabama could do that that season. Um, And then also like Auburn couldn't stop them on defense either. That was uh, looking this up. That was the, you know, uh, if if I remember correctly, let me, uh, I want to look at the, uh, Look, yeah. While you're doing this, there's the no end. logic oh, yeah, in what I said. There's no logic right. in what I said. I just want to, like, I'm aware of how goofy I sound saying that you got beat yeah. by essentially four touchdowns and you think that a game seven days ago is the reason why. But that's that's what I think. Nick Chubb ran for 
144 yards and two touchdowns in that game, and that was also the end of the Todd Gurley suspension for something that would be very legal and encouraged in the era of NIL. Um, and then doesn't he the, get hurt? Uh, does he get hurt in this game, or does he get hurt after? That's a great question. Um, he, oh yeah, he does get hurt in that game. You're right. He has this awesome okay. game, and then immediately yeah. gets hurt yeah. like on a kickoff return. Yeah. Um, my opinion is that they probably don't flip that Georgia game. They might. I mean, just you know, Mr. Numbers but, over here, Mr. Logic. But okay, say say the offense isn't shell shocked as much, and they have a little bit more success. Maybe maybe that offense is able to pull something out in the Iron Bowl. Maybe you're talking about Auburn playing at a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, in 2014, maybe you're talking about Auburn having a little bit more momentum, not having the end of the season that they had 14. Uh, does that lead into 2015? Better recruiting, better, you know, some consistency. Do you avoid the year that you had? I do think what happened in 2015 though, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think what happened in 2015 though, did set up a lot, you know, the Will Muschamp defense, you know, paves the way for, for what ends up being the, the Kevin Steele defense. And, um, I, I don't know, man, like it's, 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 I don't know how much flips around because of that, but that is, that is one though, where you think that team was hot at that point. I don't know. Do you remember who they lost to in 14 before they lost the... to Mississippi state in a strange game? You know, yeah, it, really, it really fa- it's one of those where if you're wearing orange and blue, you're going, Hey, nobody else cares about this, but it, Really feels like the refs had the guys in maroon. <laughs> um, so maybe if that one flips around, maybe that's a little bit more. But yeah, you're right. A and M is just that. It was so it was, it's obvious. It's right there. What could have happened differently? So oh, and I was wrong. It was a six yard run with little more than five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Not a kickoff where Gurley, where Gurley, got Gurley hurt. gets hurt. So yeah. that's brutal to look at that. That it's that late in a game that they're mopping. Yeah, it's yeah, also no, so hilarious that I mean, there are so many. Speaking of what ifs, Auburn should have won the Deep South Soul. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Again, I'm I'm out there, but right. 2009, Auburn blows a 14 point lead in Gene Chizik's first year to a Georgia team. Uh, I would say 2014, Auburn should have won that game. I hear you, Ferg, but this is my world, baby. Uh, 2015, that's a very unspectacular Auburn and Georgia team and Auburn, uh, loses Georgia ekes it out injured. I mean, like, and then 16 too. I mean, obviously it's Kirby smarts first year and Sean white basically doesn't have a throwing shoulder, but, uh, there's a whole bunch of revisionist history here where Georgia has been the better of the two programs over the last 15, 20 years, but Auburn could have eked a couple out and they didn't. And this is one where I'll go to my grave thinking, the Texas A&M game is the reason why they got so badly outplayed. Fair enough. Let's jump ahead a couple more years to 2016. Uh, Auburn is playing uh, LSU uh, in a in what has what is best uh, described as a loser leaves town match, like in wrestling. And to be fair, uh, very true. <laughs> yeah, uh, they play LSU. Auburn is one and two. Heading into this game, they had only beaten Arkansas State. They had lost to Clemson, looking hopeless on offense. They did so again two weeks later against Texas A&M. They're playing LSU um, at home, and uh, Daniel Carlson hits three field goals – or, sorry, six field goals. Auburn um, plays great defense, uh, chaotic ending. Uh, Auburn beats LSU. LSU ends up firing less miles the next day, and 
everything flows out from there. So let's spin it around. What happens if Auburn loses this game to LSU and Gus Malzahn is terminated as Auburn's head coach? Jimmy Rain, baby. At some point in the 2016 season. Um, so Auburn's run to the uh, Sugar Bowl that year doesn't happen. What a weird way to get to the Sugar Bowl. They won eight games. It's back into it, yeah. Just like, uh, does anyone want to play in this game? Not really. Okay, Auburn, you got it. Also, Kevin Steele's your coach, right? Because that's sort of what this all feels like it's headed yeah. towards a few years later. Yeah. So, here's your question. Here's the question on everyone's mind. What happens for Auburn at that point? 2017 doesn't happen the way it does. You don't get Jarrett Stidham, I don't think. You don't, no. you don't, you don't have that You don't have that season that you do have. Well, I wouldn't think you would, but oddly enough, I guess he did play at the school that does Kevin, Kevin Steele, Steele was at before, you know, previously as a head coach. <laughs> does Kevin Steele get the head coaching job at the end of the year? Uh, he is not what? as popular at this point. Remember, people were not exactly no, thrilled with no, the hire when we coached him from LSU. And then people, now he had a really good defense yes, that year. People were like pleasantly surprised given how bad the offense was against good competition and how good the defense was. But he hadn't built up that goodwill. I think after the 2017 season, he's like, oh, it's been two years. Like, this guy's really figured it out. And then even, you know, Derek Brown and, and Marlon and those guys start coming along. And obviously Kevin Steele becomes one of the more – popular coaches Les miles stays on as head coach at lsu i think they eventually go to orgeron i think Les does something stupid enough to get fired in the middle of the season in the future he was giving it his best go and i think ed the way ed ran the program at lsu and 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 you know i think it maybe not the same situation gets created in the time that it gets created in but you know i i don't know how much changes for lsu in that instance but for auburn well i'm looking here Say they say they go onto the market and look for somebody in 2017. I'm looking at coaches that jump jobs that year in college football. By the way, um, uh, your Kirby's out of the question at this point, and then you're also probably out of the Hugh. Like this is like the when everything starts really going down in Oxford with Hugh Freeze. So maybe that gets scared off there. Yeah, even if it's not super public at that point, maybe it was. I can't remember the timeline, but like the the people doing the searches would would know something weird was happening. If you remember correctly when Les Miles got fired at LSU, Tom Herman was that was the hot name Boy, in college sports. He was a shiny object. And it was LSU and Texas kind of getting involved there. I don't think Auburn's able to poach no. Herman from Texas. <laughs> so um, funny to think about that. <laughs> the other big name, the other big name that made a move that year that was a hot, hotly contested name. It would be really interesting. I don't know if this guy would necessarily have fit in at Auburn, but he would have been a name people had been talking about because I know he was talked about at LSU as well, is P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck goes from mm. Western Michigan, that phenomenal year there, goes to Minnesota. I think Fleck's done a smart thing by staying up in the north. That's kind of where uh, he can he can really roll. But uh, That's a hire so random to Auburn. They might have done it. <laughs> Just that there's no evidence that this would work at all. So yeah. pull the trigger. Yeah. Auburn hires PJ Fleck. That's 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 the scenario I'm going with here. Um, if if Auburn loses that, it's game. not a bad and one. I, I mean, and I think some of the issue, I think some of the issues and some of the questions you write currently have about Brian Harson at Auburn, adapting would have to the applied culture, to him. You know, would have would have definitely applied to PJ Fleck. We're interested to see how he would have recruited down here uh, for sure, uh, and who he'd have brought with him. Although I will say Minnesota, um, Minnesota recruits especially south georgia really really well um so Dan- random. Who are daniel thomas they, 
they just they just go to where the football players are, which I will give him credit for is is pretty smart. Um, Daniel Thomas famously almost was about to go to Minnesota before uh, Auburn came in at the eleventh hour for him. Uh, all right, which which one do you want to do next, football wise? Hit me with uh, hit me with you know what I've we, this has been the Painter Show. Where's Ferg wanting to go? Well, I just picked the fourteen. Uh, or I just picked the kick six. I, I picked the last two. You go with this one. Hmm. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I can't remember what all we put on our list. I'm trying to remember, and I can't. Uh, um. So okay, let's throw this in out here. Auburn gets into the 2004 national title game. Uh, what happens? Yes. Uh, they probably lose. As a child, I convinced myself that they wouldn't have, but you know, as I've gotten older, um, I tend to think that that USC team wasn't losing to anyone. It's not impossible they could have won. Let's do that. I put it at a 20% chance, and even that feels generous. I'll put it this way. Here's my here's my take. I think not being into the 2004 BCS national or, yeah BCS national championship game. It's actually a good thing a for Auburn positive. in the long run. It's a net positive. I'll say this. That 04 team, by not having to play USC and not potentially getting yep. beaten by one of the most talented teams of all time, gets to stay in a heralded, a what if. A, 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 yeah, they get to in the perpetual what if. Yes, they're in the perpetual what ifness. But they get in this range of their own. They get to end as undefeated. Now, any of those guys, Cadillac Williams, Ronnie Brown, Jason Campbell. Of course they're going to tell you they'd have won they, the game. And, and they would have believed it. They'd have been right to believe yeah. it. Yeah, and they would have won a play in that game. That's 100% true. I also think, though, that part of Auburn's ultimate underdog, us against the world mentality, I think 04 feeds into that a whole lot more because of it. I think it. I think part of the ethos and part of what makes Auburn Auburn gets amplified in the screw job. They so don't want us to succeed. Yes. The, the they with sort of an – who is they? I don't know, but they don't want it to happen for us. Also, also Auburn had lost the last two years to USC teams that weren't as good as that 04 team hey, was. Hey, 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 hey. Just saying. Calm it um, down. Calm it down. Uh, but you so, are correct, Daniel Cobb. So I'm saying that I'll say all that to say this. I think Auburn, you know, and who knows, maybe, maybe the way that all goes, maybe the fuss Auburn makes doesn't, you know, create more and more frustration with the system and then gets blown up later on. I don't know. Yeah, yeah Auburn does do a little the anarchy Alabama, there. The Alabama-LSU rematch is what ultimately killed the BCS and what ultimately brought in the advent of the playoff. But I think it's a net positive. I think it feeds into Auburn's us-against-the-world mentality. I think it puts an awesome team in perfect season, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to, to say this, I'll say all that to say this, I believe Al Borges, uh, the office coordinator of that team, um, is writing a book or wrote a book about this season and and kind of kind of how this team got jobbed out of playing in the national title game. Um, that's like supposed to, the book's supposed to come out this year or something like that. So like there's a scenario that like look I'm not I'm not expecting this one to get a lot of love, but I I, I think personally like might have been better off this way. Might have been better off this Everybody way. Everybody wants to have a chance to play for a championship. Right. That is what this is all about. However, the point is pretty obvious. Well, let's, Auburn uh, stays unblemished, and then you get to basically make yourself into a martyr. Okay, let's say let's say all that to say this. 2013, Auburn beats 
This is another one you can piggyback off of this. In 2013, Auburn comes into the SEC championship game after the kick six as the number three team in America. They play uh, Missouri. They win. Shout out to Michigan State. Michigan State opens the door for Auburn to get into the national title game against Florida State. Here's my scenario. What happens if Michigan State loses that game? Auburn does not play in the SEC, uh, the national championship game. And instead, that Auburn team gets to finish thirteen and one with um, a BC uh, with a with a what would then be known as a BCS bowl win instead of a loss to Florida State in the national championship game. I actually think in this case it doesn't really change too too much. I don't think losing or winning like I don't think there's so much you can change at the end. Kind of change. that season was awesome. You're not you're not getting rid of the kick six. You're not getting rid of uh, the prayer at Jordan Hare. Those are the two you know eternal memories from that season. Um, you still have the the amazing shootout in the in the SEC title game, um, so I don't think it changes a whole lot, but I do think that that's one where it's like, you know, you don't really benefit from not making it or make it like if you go there and lose, or if you stay back and win, kind of like the 0-4 team did. I don't think a whole lot changes as much. I feel like just because there was that undefeated season, and 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 like you know, if Auburn would have gotten shut out. In 13 from playing in the final BCS game, it's like, well, the playoffs about to start. You're not going to have this problem ever again. Yeah, this is the last time you do that. But it wouldn't have been as big of a fuss, I don't think, as just the 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 like the 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 long arduous like battle everybody had in 04. So clearly, that, another, uh, that 2013 if. Auburn team was a tough beat. I will say this based on bowl success. I don't know if they'd have won the bowl game no matter who they played. <laughs> it's just like they that team was tough to beat, and they were doing cutting-edge things, and they took a Jameis Winston, Heisman-winning Florida State team with, you know, people talk about Winston, but that whole team was loaded with yeah. NFL talent. And Auburn had nice top-end talent, but not the same way Jimbo had recruited at Florida State over those last few years. And so I... You know, I, I I can convince myself that they end up winning their bowl game that year, but also I can convince myself that they end up losing no matter who they play. And I guess would it have been the Sugar Bowl for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, m- more than likely you. Well, I can't remember if they have the deal with the Sugar Bowl at that point. I can't remember where where they go in in that case. Maybe still the Peach Bowl. I I can't remember. Um, all right, so we got that locked in. Um, before we move on to, uh basketball um and do a little business uh i want to throw out another one for you and this is uh this is a really goofy one um so everybody knows that auburn was a charter member of the sec um not every charter member of the sec stayed around in fact one of auburn's oldest rivalries rivals and and a rivalry that you know at one point in time was just as fierce as some of their other ones georgia tech left the SEC for the ACC um, in the 60s. That was over uh, scholarship limits and scholarship counts. Um, Georgia Tech felt like teams were oversigning, and uh, they felt like, uh, you know, the game was kind of getting away from them. And Bobby Dodd, uh, among others, were petitioning to make that change. Apparently Bear Bryant was involved somehow. Uh, there was a vote at the SEC. It was split. The rule remained in place, and Georgia Tech said, bye. They end up going to the ACC. They go on from there. So, let's say that happens. I Let's posit another one. They, are, they don't go to the ACC alone. This is a really stupid one, but 
Auburn fed up with Alabama and the Iron Bowl and the, everything going on in Birmingham, conference politics, whatever. Auburn follows one of its longtime rivals and goes to the ACC instead of staying in the SEC. This whole SEC West versus East thing doesn't happen. Auburn plays in the ACC instead of the SEC for the last 50-something years. What happens there? Um, for one, I think basketball uh, gets taken a whole lot more seriously, a lot quicker uh, at Auburn just because of where you would have to be as an ACC member. I think the Georgia Tech series would obviously become the big deal. Maybe Auburn still plays Alabama. Um, you know, I, Florida, Florida State type deal. We Georgia, see that Georgia right Tech, there, yeah. Clemson, South Carolina. I, I'm sure that still happens. You don't play Georgia all the time at that point, I don't think. Um, I think Auburn has... I think, personally, I think Auburn has a little bit more in their cupboard when it comes to championship successes as a member of the ACC instead of the SEC. But is Auburn as an ACC school recruiting at the level? Like, it took Clemson a while to get going, right? And 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 Florida State, um, I want to get this right, Florida State hasn't always been uh, an ACC program, Um they were in the – yeah, they came in in 92. So, and eventually at some point, Auburn and Florida State becomes a bigger deal. Um, but, like, Auburn and Clemson is a huge deal at that point. It's just you, you shift. Like, instead of playing so much against Georgia and LSU and these rivalries elsewhere, you start playing teams that would make sense for Auburn, Clemson, Florida State. I, I, and I think Auburn's more successful long term, but then it ultimately doesn't – work out quite as well i think it's just a fun kind of scenario kind of what if money wise auburn's better off in the sec than the acc obviously um but i think in terms of success in football i think you'd have been better in the acc instead of the sec then again the biggest glory moments that you had as a program you know those iron bowl successes some of those big wins that you have don't necessarily play into your conference you know, they, they're not for conference stakes. They're not for, you know, all that. I don't know. I just. Yeah, why, on the why, one why hand, you... uh, on the one hand, I do wonder, does the focus, does the intent, does the seriousness and godlike presence of football for Auburn change? Probably not. Like, I, there's a part of me that goes, well, if you're in a different conference playing different teams, does it all mean as much? Do you care? Is it as big of a deal if that interstate rivalry is not as as big because the stakes are different and i think the answer is at the end of the day the people who follow auburn football and the people who follow alabama and georgia and lsu football you're all insane and i'm right there with you and so if anything does focusing and channeling that energy into a place and in, in a conference that seems where the playing field's a bit more level help auburn in the long run or is simply the exposure over the last 25 to 40 years of being in this conference that's so deep, talented, invested in its football, ultimately, even if you're not the champion every year, does is that worth? Does that outweigh everything by going to the ACC and perhaps having a little bit more success? And I, yeah, to quite frankly, don't know the answer because, as you just pointed out, it took Clemson basically until ten years ago to find out what this mm-hmm. recipe is. And I think the most interesting part of the Dabo Sweeney saga is not the rise, although that is fascinating. It's what they do right now. Like, is he able to make this where it's just like, right. yeah, well, we, we had a fine season last year and everyone acted like we won five games or 
are we about to see a Clemson that starts winning nine and 10 games more frequently instead of being essentially second, you know, one B Alabama? Well, this is a nice segue. We'll just jump into basketball after this because I want to say all this, you know, this is essentially <laughs> the whole thing that popped this popped in my head is the, always the what if of what if Georgia Tech never left. And then, two, this is a shutdown full cast joke about how Auburn's always been an ACC school. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But I will say this. Let me let me give you the best. Can I give you the best pitch for Auburn going to the ACC and why this would have been cool? You know why? I'm gonna give you your best pitch. Ready? Here's here here here's my best pitch. If Auburn is in the ACC, we are talking several college meetings between Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan. Exact Ooh. same time, exact same college careers. They both play from '81 to '84 in college. Jordan at North Carolina, Barkley at Auburn. I'm talking Barkley, Jordan, before the Dream Team, before uh, before their battles as NBA players. You get to see that at Beardy's Memorial Coliseum and then Auburn playing conference games in in uh, in the Dean Dome. That's my best pitch. What Barkley, an incredible Jordan. thought project. Yeah. Just like absolutely <laughs> sensual. However, I will say it kind of mirrors what I think their professional careers became, which is that Yes. Barkley would have been on a less talented team against a player who was objectively better than him because he's better than everyone. Right. And right. so like I think Charles Barkley still is on the short end of the stick. Nonetheless, the idea of seeing the and who knows, maybe if Auburn joins the ACC by that point, its basketball program is a little further along. Nonetheless, oh. Oh. What a scenario. Mm. There you go. Speaking of basketball, let's jump into basketball. Painter, we all know the big one. What happens if Auburn beats Virginia? What happens if the foul is not called? What if that happens if the double dribble is called? What happens if Auburn beats Virginia in the Final Four? And something I always appreciate Dan Peck has pointed out, Virginia fans will tell you, and I would agree with them, that Bryce Brown should have been called for a foul because he grabbed what's-his-face's jersey. Mm-hmm. And if they have to inbound the ball from there instead, we are winning that game. Yep. 100%. Um, I, this one's pretty easy to me. Auburn doesn't just beat Virginia. They beat whoever came out of the – was that – Texas Tech. That Texas Tech. Yeah, they beat, they beat in Texas Tech that, that year. They're, Auburn wins the national title. I don't know if anything else changes long-term for Auburn – as a program, other than the fact that they have a national championship, hanging that, that banner, have, putting that on it. your resume, that's yeah, it. I mean, because it's not like Sharif Cooper still came to Auburn, like, and I don't think it was the difference in Scoot Henderson or Jalen Green not coming to Auburn, right? A hundred percent. I I I totally agree. Um, I think the difference is Auburn fans get to celebrate; those guys get to have rings. It changes see, the way you're you're in this group of suddenly where. You're not just a good team that's having a nice couple of seasons. Yep, yep. I I, I want to throw one off on – I want to pivot from that one a little bit. I want, to, I want to throw this one out there. Auburn doesn't win the national championship that year, as we all know. Um, that's it for Bryce Brown. Chuba Okiki, uh, as a potential lottery pick, goes to the NBA. Uh, by the way, if Chuba Okiki doesn't – doesn't get oh hurt. Auburn God. Auburn wins that national title Could anyway. do a whole episode on that. Yeah. The next season, though, it's it for Jared Harper. Jared Harper goes to the league, doesn't get drafted, but, you know, and he's – and, again, I'm going to say all this up front to say this. 
Jared Harper made what he thought was the best decision for himself and his family. He thought his, you know, he probably, you know, peaked his, his, uh, his, his, his stock. draft stock. Yeah, yeah. With that run. You're right. I think you've long said basically he needed to follow it up with an all American season. Go get your money. Um, he's, he's, he's had opportunities in the NBA now because of it. Again, we are a pro go get your money podcast. 100%. But here's the scenario. Jared Harper decides to run it back one more time. One more time. Plays his senior season at Auburn. 2019-2020 season. Auburn has a starting lineup basically of Jared Harper, Samir Dowdy, Isaac Okoro, Anthony McLemore, and Austin Wiley. You get Javon McCormick's on that team. Devin Cambridge and Alan Flanagan have their um, really good freshman years off of that. Jalen Williams gets involved. And we see Daniel Purifoy. Um, in the mix as well. You bring back uh, another senior on a team that had six seniors and a top five draft pick who could yeah. shoot a three, something that team, one of the few things that team could not do. Now, Auburn went 25-6 and six that year, 15-0 and 0 start before getting blistered by Alabama and Florida uh, uh, in the same week. They go on a seven-game winning streak after that, including four overtime games in that stretch before losing on the road back-to-back games again, this time against Missouri and Georgia. Um, they rebound to beat Tennessee and Ole Miss, then lose at Rupp, and then lose a weird home game to Texas A&M before smacking Tennessee in the season finale. Auburn finishes 25-6 and that year and 12-6 and overall. Kentucky wins the league at 15-3. and um, I say all that to say this. The COVID COVID nineteen pandemic obviously comes out. Uh, obviously, in any you know alternate universe, we can come up with. I think all of us would pick the non COVID ones. Um, not me. You're, you're you're not getting you're not getting the uh, you know throw out what it looks like in the postseason because that never happened. Talk about in the regular season. Does Auburn win an SEC title? in 2019 and 2020 with Jared Harper back for his senior season, or is the gap that Kentucky was able to generate too much? Remember, they won the league by three games that year. Uh, Two things here. One, we just found out how important guard play is to teams trying to make deep runs. And, well, you couldn't ask for much more in a college guard than you did Jared Harper. Two, this is an Auburn podcast. Of course it makes the difference, and they win the league. I... They the the losses Auburn had in conference play were all by double digits except for the last two against Kentucky and A and M. Do they beat Kentucky in Rupp? Man, how monumental that would have been for the program. You know they had a ton of success in in in, in non conference play in the middle of the season. Like it was all a really good team. I, basically, what we're saying is does. Does Auburn get two games better, including one of those games against Kentucky with Jared Harper on the floor? I think so. I think we're maybe talking about an SEC regular – probably not outright, but I think Auburn wins their second SEC title in three years, and then what eventually would be their third in five years, regular season championship, um, if Jared Harper comes back. I think that's the great what-if because as we talked about, Payer, that 2019-20 team for Auburn, which had – Wiley and Purifoy, who did not play the year before um, because of the of the FBI situation, this is a team that did not shoot well at all from the free throw line and especially from deep, but played fast, was excellent on defense, 
um, especially with Isaac Cora on the floor. Yeah, I think I think you might be talking about another banner in, in that case. It has always cracked me up that they were not a good free throw shooting team, but that they shot so many of them that it was almost a moot point. I mean, I guess it could have helped things out a little bit if they'd made a few more, but just by virtue yeah. of the volume that team took, it, it made their free throw shooting still somewhat of a weapon. I am inclined to believe that they at least split that title with Kentucky. However, as I mentioned earlier, if you were a Georgia fan, maybe you think I'm a loser. If you're a Kentucky fan, you probably already do. Uh, but guard play, man, I mean, we just spent a few weeks at the end of the basketball season, whether it was during the struggles that Auburn was having or right mm-hmm. after the loss, like what they would have done to have had a player this season like Jared Harper Oh wow! That's... The what if the what if scenario for basketball I have here that I don't think changes much is um, what happens if Anthony Mackler doesn't have that horrific yeah. injury against South Carolina. Auburn doesn't scuffle to end the season. Um, you know, probably doesn't end up this... splitting that title, right? Like I think it just wins it outright. Yeah, it, they win the title anyway. Uh, maybe they get a little bit more. You know that team, but that team punched above its weight all year. Right, and then even before McLemore went down, they still, you know, they, they lost to Bama on the road that year, lost a heartbreaker to A and M. I think they do better, you know. Um, but as we've seen in tournaments like this last year, like this is one of the best regular season teams Auburn's had, they still run into a tough matchup. Like they got blasted by Clemson, and now have like even with McLemore, part of the thing that Clemson had in that game is that man they were shooting and they were they were playing really really well inside in that one. It's just. I don't know if it changes that much, but man, it would have been a whole lot of fun uh, to to see what if that one. I don't think ultimately it's kind of like some of the other ones we talked about with football. I don't think ultimately it changes a ton, but um, man, just for Mac uh, Mac's sake as well, like just you know, what if what if Anthony Macklemore didn't have that that injury? I think you. What does that look like? You know, the year later, it's it's a it's a lot to a lot to ponder. All right, here's one. Um, <laughs> What happened if what happens if Auburn doesn't hire Tony Barbie? I mean, just throw that. Just gonna I, I, just gonna loop that one in there for you. I think that not that much changes, and given that it did sort of lead you, the timing worked out that you end up getting Bruce. Maybe in this one case, since Auburn has generally hired coaches that didn't work out at that sport. This might be the one you want to keep in terms of bad coaches because the timeline really worked out for you. You, uh, took the words, you took the words right out of my mouth, Painter, because I did a little research before we did this podcast. Auburn fires Jeff Lebo. Who were they going after? I don't remember quite as much. Um, because I only know because you told me earlier, so I will not yes. answer this question. Um, this is from AL.com. Uh, this was a Evan Woodbury story. Um, from March 13th, 2010. Early speculation is centered around Los Angeles Lakers special assistant Chuck Person, former Auburn star who spent more than a decade as an NBA coach and front office executive has never held a college job. ESPN analyst Andy Katz also floated UTEP head coach Tony Barbie, Missouri coach Mike Anderson, and UAB coach Mike Davis as possibilities. Um... You know, I looked at some other spots. It seems to be thing. Interesting case here. Mike Anderson. Okay, so here's here's what happens with Mike Anderson. Um, as people may know, Mike Anderson, Alabama native, uh, grew up in Birmingham, 
was an assistant uh, for Nolan Richardson at Arkansas. He was the head coach at UAB uh, for four seasons, got him to the NCAA tournament, including a Sweet 16 run three years in a row. He takes the Missouri job. When Auburn makes this decision, they are two years removed from going to the Elite Eight, and um, they had just made it to the NCAA tournament again. He stays at Missouri for one more year before going to Arkansas. Kind of gets off the ground a little bit at Arkansas. There's a decent little middle stretch, but then it, it fades from there. He ends up going to St. John's uh, after that, where he still is today. Mike Anderson was was connected to the job when they hired Lebo because of his success that he had at UAB. So that keep that in mind. Um, so Auburn was potentially you know going uh, going going through that as well. Also, uh, Jeff Capel was a guy who's been in coaching searches for nine million years. It's according to a 2004 story of the AP, was also mentioned there. Jeff Lebo ends up getting that job from UT Chattanooga. Um, I think you took the words out of my mouth here, Painter, because, and then Mike Davis, of course, uh, another UAB, former UAB coach who had a good run. He is now at Detroit Mercy. Um, uh, yeah, and so and he, uh, let's see, he went from UAB, like he, his, his tenure at UAB did not end well. Um, they ended up firing him not too long after making a tournament because of waning interest in basketball and like excited ticket sales and attendance and, and all that stuff from UAB. He ends up going to Texas Southern, having a really good run there. He's a, you know, goes to Detroit Mercy, so he's never been a power five or a power conference head coach at that point. I say all that to say this. You said it. I think <laughs> Auburn needed somebody in the grand scheme of things to fail in as quick of a time as Tony Barbie did. Where it was like four seasons for college, for a college basketball coach, especially one when you inherit a pretty tough program. Like you, when Barbie was hired, it was like okay, he's going to build this thing up, but it failed so spectacularly in four seasons that Auburn was on the market just as Bruce Pearl was coming up, just as Bruce Pearl was going to be available again. So I, I tend to agree with you, Painter. If you get Mike Anderson, if you get Mike Davis, or say if you even hire Chuck Person. Um, and I'm just remove all of the Chuck Person FBI situation. What comes later out of out of that? You probably don't get Bruce Pearl because you're probably not on the market at the time he comes back on the market. Because somebody was going to get Bruce. Somebody like people want to joke and say like only Auburn would be a place to hire would hire somebody like Bruce. No, Bruce Pearl was going to get a job because he because he's a good basketball coach and he gets results. College basketball is not a clean game. Like that's how it was. So I think. If Auburn doesn't hire Tony Barbie, I think Auburn fans get to avoid frustration for a few years to that level, but I don't think you get necessarily the what what you have in the time that you got it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, shout out to Tony Barbie for making Bruce Pearl possible. <laughs> he he did so poorly it worked out. And like I don't know how Mike Anderson would have done. I think it would have been interesting to see him try to do some of that Arkansas stuff at Auburn, um, but. I just I don't think it comes in. There's really near. only been one coach who's ever been able to recruit here, and I guess to some extent you could give Cliff Ellis that title as well. But for the most part, yeah, I don't, no matter how creative Mike Anderson might have been, I have my doubts about what sort of long-term talent he brings to Auburn. Another fun what if you floated out there, you go back uh, to 2003, what if Auburn ends up beating Marquise Daniels and, and, the, and, and the guys, end up beating Carmelo Anthony and – that Syracuse team that ended up winning the national title. What happens there? Auburn goes, at that point, to the Elite Eight. That would have been the first time ever they had ever gotten to that point. Um, do they make it to the Final Four? 
Maybe. I don't know. You go back and look. that that The team they beat the next round was Oklahoma. Syracuse, like, it's a super low-scoring game, which I think would have fared well for Auburn that year. Um, and the door obviously swings wide open because you would have knocked the eventual national champion and probably the best team in the field out of out of the thing. I just, what if Auburn would have had their glory storybook Final Four run a little earlier than uh, than they did uh, under Bruce Pearl? Sweet, sweet Bruce. Let's talk about him some more. The what if. What if we just had a bunch of Bruce Pearls? And then what if his son wanted to coach here and Auburn was like, you know what? We'll get the up-and-comer from Montana State. Because <laughs> I feel like that's what we're headed for in about eight years. But I'll, you know what? Let's just enjoy it now, Painter. Just enjoy the moment. Yeah, I, I, I tend to believe that whenever Bruce Pearl hangs it up, uh, he's going to probably be pretty heavily involved in, in uh, Let him be your advisor. Let be. him yeah. do what he must do. Like, if yeah. this means that you have to keep paying him a coach's salary so that he can have a lake house or five, <laughs> and that means that his son gets to be the coach and they're just drawing dual salaries, I assure you the university throws more money away at things that are less... Uh, profitable and also cool. So, you know, there's the cool factor, Justin. Yes, it's the cool factor. And like Stephen Leith, I think that's a good example. What if they didn't do that? <laughs> and, or the buyout, uh, yeah. which was yeah, sick buyout, for him. Yeah, the buyout. I think the buyout, that changes that changes things. They could have just not sure. done yeah. that, but especially yeah. I think the buyout. That's, you know, it's like, yeah. whatever. All right, here we are. Stephen Leith, if you listen, <laughs> invite me onto your plane or don't. Uh, he had he had he had a he had a rough rough time at one of those planes at least. It's um, been a rough week, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Just trying to get, get my any, thrill. Are there any more uh, alternate uh, alternate universes you want to throw out there? I am most curious here? to simply see what we have missed because I bet that there are some things yeah. that we probably didn't cover that will be interesting thought experiments, and we yeah. would like to hear those. Yeah, we're well over an hour at this point. We still need to do some ads here at the end. So, um, yeah, like we said, uh, if you have a, a what if, an alternate universe, a multiverse proposal you would like to lob at us for, for us to chew on, uh, send them to us. You can either email me, email Painter, um, or tweet them at us. Um, just as simple as that. Uh, comment on the uh, on the Observer, um, you know, the the post for this for this podcast episode. Like I said, if we get enough of them, and if you want to guys continue to keep lopping them up there, uh, we might do a little uh, do a little revisiting of these uh, every now and then. Maybe maybe we have enough for one an episode. Maybe we do it every now and then. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is this was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to uh, discuss. What if? I still think my favorite one is Auburn goes to the ACC and Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley um, is the thing that happens at Beard Eves. Like. More than once. So That's, Auburn gets Tina Turner, Elvis Presley, and Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. I think there's also a scenario. It's like, what if Auburn delays? It's like, what if Auburn delays building an arena and they're still in beer to eaves? And like, I think part of the thing about getting Barbie and Fire and Lebo when they did was like, they were about to open a new arena. They're trying to get people excited. Yeah. So what happens if it's a year later? You know, what happens? There's a lot of just a little shift can can mean a lot there. So Elvis, uh, Tina Turner, and the MJ Barkley game go down in Beardy's lore. What other interesting events would have happened at Beardy's? I don't know. Well, you have any you have anything that comes to mind? 
I don't know. This is one for the crowd, folks. Help us yep. out. What did Beardy use miss out on because of the timeline? Yes. Give us the alternate universe where Beardy's becomes like the L.A. Forum yeah. here in the Showtime Lakers era. All right. Um, before we go, we've got a couple things to hit. First off, our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Hey, big news Saturday. Season four is coming up. Uh, looks like Arkansas is going to be batting lead off for them. Uh, I doubt there are anybody listening listen to this who are big Arkansas fans, but maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, maybe have some, maybe have some folks in their lives that are big big hog folks. Um, you can uh, point them in the direction of homefieldapparel.com, the most comfortable uh, collegiate apparel that you're going to find anywhere. We're talking T-shirts. We're talking hoodies. We're talking sweatshirts. We're talking joggers. Um, got an email uh, somewhat recently uh, from Connor and the gang um, talking about all the um, – all the new stuff that uh, Homefield's about to get in terms of uh, kind of upgrading their current apparel to be even more comfortable and even more premium, all that good stuff. There's a lot of great Auburn um, apparel at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, you can have the T-shirt that uh, or hoodie that uh, matches Painter's avatar. You can have some uh, some some of the eras that we talked about here on this uh, on this What If podcast. Um, you can, uh, you can buy some designs from those eras uh, of Auburn basketball and Auburn football. Uh, there's a really cool Auburn baseball shirt, uh, on there as well. Uh, a couple of them actually. And then of course the peacock, uh, shirt and hoodie on there as well. If you would like to, uh, you know, treat yourself or a loved one, uh, with some home field apparel, uh, and it's your first time ever ordering there, 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, just type in the promo code observer if it's your first time ordering and that will get you will send you on your way we love home field apparel very very much um they do a lot um you know to, they, they do a lot to uh, keep auburn fans uh looking good and feeling good and also uh, they have been great friends uh f- for our uh podcast and our newsletter for quite some time now i'm even wearing a home field shirt now it's a pit shirt there's a like a picture of a school building on it. I, I wore one I yesterday. You know, I've been slimming yeah. down. It's the summertime. I plan to have yeah. my shirt off more. I became disgusting in the last six months. So I've had to Thomas tidy some all... things up. And the home field shirts really fit my figure nicely. There's room to breathe, but mm-hmm. I like how it feels up top around the shoulders. And then there's some nice, you know, around the ribs, the midsection. There's still mm-hmm. some space there, which I need. I'm, I'm thinking July is sort of the projected time of where I'm feeling real good about things. So until then, home field is what's going to help me out. And the other half of this podcast never takes a shirt off ever and hates uh, anything to do about uh, anything that involves that. So Painter, you get to be the, uh, you get to be the, uh, the, the, the fixture of fitness and health. Let's uh, be for, certain for here. I shouldn't be doing it as frequently as I am, but I'm generally a kind of guy. I also burn super easily as well. Oh, so. that's true. That's see, I don't that's have that my, issue, but I'm a big, like yeah. no pants, no shirt guy. If I'm in my own home, mm-hmm. it's just like, Hey, I, mean, I live here and um, yep. I'm comfy. All right. Uh, before we go, we also need to shout out uh, you guys uh, specifically. Um, we have got, man, we've got three new reviews to read. Uh, here, but uh, Painter, tell tell the folks at home. Uh, we talked about it at the end of the podcast. Subscribe six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year at the Observer. You get our bonus podcast with our special guests later in the week. You get access to every single podcast we've done, um, uh, one hundred and seventy five of them at this point, and uh, all of the newsletters get emailed to your inbox uh, most weekday mornings around six a.m. Central Time. But if they want to help us out with 
no more money down. Um, this offer uh, only applies to you guys. Uh, what, 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 what can they do to help us out? Like the three wise, beautiful souls who just left us reviews, you simply rate, review, and subscribe. Now we have a couple of options here. All right, in Spotify, we're just leaving the five stars. But in Apple Podcasts, we're searching Auburn Observer, clicking on it, and scrolling down real quick. This all takes like 20 seconds, by the way. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know that, like me, you are a minimalist. And you're trying to do as little as possible while still feeling good about things. Well, this is a way to do that. 20 seconds to feel good about this thing that you're invested in. Auburn, kind of us. But Auburn, five stars. Leave some words, whatever they may be. And then hit the subscribe button. Also tell your old parents and your old grandparents. Basically just take their phones and hit subscribe and do the same things on their phones. They don't have to listen. We'd love it if they did. But, you know, let's juice some numbers. This is late 90s, early 2000s baseball type deal. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to get Sosa numbers out here. All right, uh, we've got three reviews to read. That's what we say. If you write a review, which helps us out a lot, give us five stars, which just help, helps us out a lot. Um, because it gets more people's eyeballs on the product, gets more people to the newsletter, sells more subscriptions, all that good stuff. If you do that, we will read your review here on the air uh, because we're vain people. Uh, if Painter didn't just show that with his with his last comment, um, and um, well, you know, we want to shout you guys out because you are the whole reason that this thing even exists and it continues to function. And you know, I have an apartment and all that stuff. Uh, this is from K Bo Camp uh, says. Uh, In this post-spring football time of year, it's good to know that Justin and Painter are here for you. These guys are fun to listen to and love Auburn. Thanks for everything you do. I'm also trying hard to figure out where in the world Painter is in parts unknown or Eagle. Some folks have started to figure it out a little bit. They're they're doing some internet clues, but Painter, I'm glad to know that the shroud of mystery is still up pretty high for you and, and, and parts unknown. It's the most beautiful place in the world, unquestionably, and you'll want to be here. All right, this is from Frustrated iPhone 6 user. That's a pretty good name. Uh, says, Justin and Painter are awesome. I especially love the NIL discussion on the private feed. If you don't subscribe, you're really missing out on interesting and informative Auburn content. Yes, if you missed our podcast with Matt Brown from a couple weeks ago uh, with a lot of NIL stuff in there and a lot of NCAA um, reform, and we talked about the EA Sports College football game, it's free for everyone to listen to. If you're listening to this feed, you have access to it. If you haven't listened to it yet, go check it out. It is episode number one. 173 it's in the game uh featuring our buddy matt brown from extra points by the way subscribe to extra points extra points mb.com uh finally this is from wills 8484 says justin is great but painter is the real star of the show doing all the dirty work behind the scenes keep it going and keeping it going always brings a great fan perspective and i think about the autonomous zone comment at least once a week the way Ferg breaks uh, things down and gives you the whys is great, and it's a really interesting and unique way at things most writers won't give you. Best Auburn podcast there is. It's a must-listen always. Was that so a TLD much, deep cut? I think that is a TLD Autonomous deep cut. Zone? Yeah. Yes. That is one of the uh, that that is one of our one of our classic lines. If it's um, not set me straight, but I I have you talked about the that. autonomous? I, I think autonomous zone was a TLB thing, but it might have been. It might have been early. Da- it it might have been else. early days here. Yeah, it might have been early days. Early days here. Um, Set me but, straight, but that was. I appreciate. It's always nice to know that there's some painter heads out there. You know, there there are a lot That's of painter right. heads out That's there. That's right. Ferg's doing. I got a lot of credit in that review, but you know what? I'll I'll take it every now and again. All right. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, we appreciate you guys uh, rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Appreciate appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, a little day later than usual, but uh, hopefully everybody had a good Mother's Day holiday. We're on Julian Phillips' watch later this week. We'll have our special guest uh, for the premium feed, uh, and uh, we should be back around normal time. We, th- this should be a Monday free podcast again next week. So a lot of podcasts coming up, a lot of newsletters, as well as we hit the meat of the off season. Hope you enjoyed your trip through uh, the multiverse of Auburn athletics. Um, like I said, shout us, uh, shout shout out. Uh, like I said, shout out some of your. Uh, favorite uh, scenarios and what ifs um, let us know put put them in some way we can see them and we may re- revisit them on podcasts coming up here in the future appreciate you guys listening painter final thoughts after more than 60 years tennis was reinstated as an olympic medal sport for the 1988 games in seal who won so, the thank you so who won the women's singles title that year jennifer <laughs> capriti Steffi Graf, Capriati, Mar- Steffi Graf, okay, Martina, Navratil, Russia, Pam Shriver. Uh, I'm gonna go with Martina Navratilova. Graf, then representing West Steffi. Germany. I didn't like that question. We're doing another one. I couldn't okay. pronounce any of the names. It was just terrible <laughs> from the start. Not good at all. What nickname did Reggie Jackson earn in part by hitting home runs on four straight swings of the bat in the 1977 World Series? Mr. October, the series slugger, straw that stirs the drink, or rockin' Reggie? Although the third name is an incredible one, it is Mr. October. The New York Yankee slugger came to be known as Mr. October for the postseason damage he did with that bat. Operator, oh, could you help me place this car? See the number on the matchbook is old and faded. She's living in L.A. with my best old ex-friend, Ray. Gosh, she said she knew well and sometimes hated.